Hello and welcome to episode 355 of Virgo and the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well. How are you, Andrew? Oh, not too bad for an away fan. <laughs> well, I wondered why there were so few of you turning up. Yeah, I couldn't make it because, you know, I was in another country. All right. You know what? I find it very weird that people that live in France don't want to travel to places like Wakefield and Salford and, you know, spend their their holidays in places like that. It's kind of weird of them, don't you think? No, look, it's a bit... It is a bit odd. Mm. There are... We'll we'll elaborate on this. Apparently there's been a fair bit of whinging by the English. Um, That's strange, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Because um, they're worried that the the having two teams from another country um, participating in the Super League is not going to help the English teams who are struggling to draw crowds. Um, it's going to make it harder for them to draw crowds because the French teams will not be bringing many fans over. Yeah, um, well, like any time you can add the fourth largest city to the Super League competition, it can only be a negative thing. Well, I mean, we learnt this with with Toronto, didn't we? Exactly. You don't want millions of people that can potentially Mm. follow the comp. We just just need everyone who goes to their local parish church to be committed to turning up and watching their team play, you know, on a bunch of deck chairs. Look, we don't need 1,500 of them. It'd be nice to get 1,500. We don't need 1,500 of them. There's only about probably 30 deck chairs. All Where we need is, look, the Super League supporter base, there's a few key things you need. First of all, you need to be bald by the time you're 23. Second of all, you need to own like 15 different flat caps. You need to race whippets in your spare time. And you need to remember the good old days when there were speedway tracks around some some of the uh, the, the stadiums. They were the good old days when there was a speedway a lot track. Of, a lot of the French venues, especially in the good old days in, in French rugby league, they were on velodromes. Yeah, but re- you know how you say the good old days, right? And you're talking about the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what super. That's what a big chunk of Super League fans want today. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, but I mean, I'm talking about, you know, there's, there are similarities between the good old days of English rugby league and French rugby league. Yeah. Um, like, both were really, really strong about 60 years ago. Yes, that's true. Um, I mean, France were the world's best team, arguably, uh, in yep. the 50s, 100%. probably even in the early 60s. It's uh, It's a weird... It's very strange. When you look at the way that NRL supporters are looking at this second Brisbane team, and I don't think I've heard too many criticisms of there being a second Brisbane team from supporters. Like, it seems to be really generally positive. And then you see, like, can you imagine if they brought in Toulouse into the NRL, how excited everyone would be? Oh, that'd be fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. And have another uh, country involved. Exactly, and all there was was whinging, and I was really surprised by it. Um, 
I, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've already got three countries representing in Australia at the moment, as it is in the NRL. We've got Australia, New Zealand, yeah. and Mexico. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, one of them is a totalitarian uh, state as well, which is kind of yeah. weird to have them in the competition. The totalitarian dictatorship, Ian. Yeah, <laughs> dictator Dan. See, <laughs> uh, so you got fined for breaking his own rules. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, that's great. Don't you just love it when politicians set laws that they'll put you in jail for and then they don't abide by them? And then don't um, go to jail for them? No, nah, no, nah, it's it's fine. It was just a – for them, it's always just a misunderstanding. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, he's only had us in lockdown since – you know, when did time begin? Is that three <laughs> days after time began? Anyways. Some, some people north of the Murray think that then people in Victoria aren't locked down hard enough, quite honestly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they go in Super League. Um, I, they've, they've got a pretty good team. Like they play some pretty good football. And I was saying, I hope that if, because they will look to recruit players, but I hope when they look to recruit some players, they don't look at old NRL players or any English players. I hope that they look at sort of, uh, New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup level up and comers who might be looking for a chance and, and will be because there's been no football for like nearly two years at that level. So it's yeah, going to be interesting to see what they do to their squad. Yeah, I think they've been pretty good, both the French teams, um, mm. at, you know, getting a lot of local players. I must say local, I mean French. Um, both sides have got a lot of French players in their teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. And I'm hoping... Toulouse stays in Super League for quite a while. Because I think having two French teams in there is going to do wonders for their national side. And we can only hope their national side decides to play plenty of international football against teams that aren't British. Yes. To help make them better. And I can't wait for the day that Catalan plays Toulouse in the grand final in the Super League. Mm-hmm. And in the Challenge Cup final. Mm-hmm. Make it the same year. Um, and I wouldn't give a shit who won because rugby, well, you know, rugby league would be the winner on that day. It would be. Yeah. I I was just hoping to say that the best, uh, teams in English rugby league were French. Uh, unfortunately, Catalan fell a little bit short that super league grand final. I only saw the second half. It was the worst game of football I've seen all year by a very long way. Uh, poorly refereed. The defence was tragic for both teams. The tactics for both teams were really poor. James Maloney really stood out dominating the attack for uh, the Dragons, but just a really, really hard game to watch. And I don't know how anybody could have really enjoyed watching that game as a neutral supporter anyway. It was a tough one to to sit through. Um, I know a lot of English fans, and this is being serious, I probably think it was a pretty good game because it was close, which mm. um, you know, that, that's that's probably about the only reason why they thought it was a good game. I I thought the attack for both sides was much worse than the defence. Um, St. Helens' defence was uh, very much able to lift at the precise moments that they needed to. And that was the only real difference because there was times there in the last, say, 20, 15 minutes, whenever Catalan got the ball, 
you would just see the St. Helens edge defenders just rush up and swarm the ball player, especially mm-hmm. if it was a playmaker, and just shut down their outside options and just trap them with the ball. And Catalan had like three or four sets there where they were only making 15, 20 metres and then they had to kick. Um, so I think the attack in the Super League, in the past it used to be pretty... It was, it was a combination of the attack being reasonably good and defences being woeful. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's kind of switched a little bit the other way. I think the attacks have now got worse and defence has got a little bit better over there um, than what it used to be. And so the good teams tend to tend to be able to strangle opposition sides a lot more easily. Which yeah, is in so the past, they used to just outscore them. You'd just see a lot of scorelines of 64 to 30 or something like that. Now you'll see teams winning, you know, 52 blot. Yeah, so I, I thought that the 10 metres in the Super League Grand Final was atrocious. It was non-existent. Yeah, it was It was really, really bad. Especially at that, a at a marker. The two markers were just oh, flying up every time. Like, there were tackles that markers were making where they were standing next to the guy playing the ball. It was yeah. incredible. Um, and, and you saw the big difference in how clean the game was in the championship final. It, it was a thousand times better to watch than the Super League Grand Final. Like, I, I actually really enjoyed the championship final just because it was a better game. And, like, it, it like you know, Toulouse was fantastic. And, and their attack was great. Their defense was great. They were the better team by quite some way. But Featherston, they weren't bad. They tried really hard through the entire game. And, you know, they got a bit of ball. They were able to do something with it because there was 10-meter rules where it were... Um, enforced in the Super League game, it was just, it was really, I, you're not going to get people watching that for very long. And that's a real concern. It was, I think I saw one crazy penalty against Sam Tompkins where he had his, his head was caught between a defender's knees and the mm. defender would was just gripping really tight with his knees to stop him from getting his head free. And Tompkins was trying to play the ball and he got penalised. You know what? I, I I remember seeing the aftermath of that penalty, but I had looked away as that had happened. I just remember, he, like, Tomkins really being like, what the fuck just happened? That I turned it on just as I was seeing Lachlan Coote try and knock a ball back in field, and he basically stepped over the sideline and was a good, like, five metres out and tapped the ball in field. And the touch judge, you can see the touch judge looking at the fucking ball in the air. It's like he's not looking at his feet at all. It's a really <laughs> bad ball. I mean, it's not like Coots that tall either, so you wouldn't have too far to look. You'd get all that in one frame. Yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a terrible call. But, you know, you, you put that down to, you know, it happens, it happens. Um, the other big call in the game was obviously the 10 in the bin for Mackinson, the greatest... Uh, winger in rugby league, I guess in 30 years, if you go by the idiots that give out the Golden Boot Award. And it was pretty hilarious seeing St. Helens fans trying to justify, number one, why it wasn't really a high tackle, even though he basically almost took the the uh, Catalans player's head off, and then why it shouldn't have been 10 in the bin. And then I saw some people saying that it should have been a penalty try. Now, I personally would have found it really difficult to give it a penalty try because it was five metres out. 
And as I explained to some people online, like over here, you basically, it's almost as though they've got to be able to say, look, if he had have died on the spot, he would have still fallen over and scored a try technically. So then we'll give it a penalty try. Um, You kind of have to do no more effort, no more physical effort and beat anyone to give that penalty try. So I don't think I could have given him that. But if they had given it a penalty try at the same time, I would have said, look, fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't think I don't think I could have given it a penalty try. But then again, I'm a little bit more stingy with with penalty tries. I think too many of them get get awarded as it is. So oh dear, I yeah. I like I like seeing them awarded. I think nah. it's a really good incentive to stop players from doing illegal acts. But that I mean that, I know that that's fair enough. But when you see somewhere a player gets awarded a penalty try when they're chasing a grubber, and they get tackled say in the in goal before they've got to the ball. Hmm. I can't give that a penalty try. You don't know where that ball's going to bounce if they're not impacted. And you don't know if they're going to take it cleanly. I think the only time a penalty try should be awarded is if the player who's impacted has the ball in their hands and they've got control of it at the time of the the incident. Oh, see, I disagree. I I am... The ones where, say, the players are chasing the ball down in goal and, say, the attacking player gets taken out or tackled or whatever. Let's say tackled before he gets a chance to get his hands to the ball and he would have got there first, I am very happy for that to be a penalty try. I think that that's the basis of where you start with a penalty try. No. (laughs) (laughs) We're supposed to argue now. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'll just make it clear. I'm not going to be swayed on this. You know, we'll just... (laughs) Yeah. Okay, if this was Twitter... We'd both be calling each other Nazis in within about ten seconds. Oh, shit, because, yeah. because it's real life, we'll go. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, if it was Twitter, I probably would have said something um, along the lines of "You being a fucking idiot" or something like that. And I'm yeah. sure you would have parried with something very similar. I had so many. Pe- I've had so many people since the Panthers have won the grand final, and then talking about the Super League grand final uh, on the weekend. Like you, I'll be talking flat out about football, and they will get start to get really try and get personal with you. It's like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing, you weirdo? It's a uh, cowardly and um, very much the tactic of someone who's lost the argument before it's begun. Mm. So just get personal, you because all they're doing there is they're saying right. I know I've lost this argument, so now mm. I'm just going to be personal and make shitty remarks and attack personally. Yeah. And we're no longer talking about football, but I'm trying to create a new argument that I can win. <laughs> it is very strange. And I, you and can't I, argue with someone when the, when the topic is their opinion of you. Like, you can't win that argument. No, <laughs> no. And the weird one was, like, I had so many St. Helens fans sending me, like, uh, Still pictures of Mackinson, first of all, before he got to the tackle, and they were saying that the Dragons player was falling down into the tackle, it like insinuating that he was trying to get a head-high tackle done against him because he knew he wasn't getting to the line. And then the first contact being just the shoulder, which it was, the first time he hit his shoulder. But then he hit him in the head and held onto his head and neck as he wrapped around it and almost took his head off. But they weren't showing that part. 
I, ha- I did have one follower of mine uh, send a picture of that. I've got to find out who it is because everyone else was sending pictures saying, look, he didn't even hit his head. It's like, show the next frame, you idiot. That's what <laughs> you've got to show. I've got to find yeah. this person because they, they – uh, here it is. It was Mike, Mike Hool on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, he shows him – he coat-hanged him. Yeah. I, I, I had no real issue with that. I, it's – it's funny how people respond when it comes to their, their team and rose-coloured glasses. I've, I've never been someone to be like that. Um, so I always find it fascinating how people see the same thing differently depending mm. on what jumper they're wearing. Well, you know, it made me think about the reactions to the Panthers and the the people we talked about in the last episode that have been really sad about it. And I was thinking tonight, I don't think any of them were South fans. Nah, South fans, I think, were quite accepting of everything that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which was... And then I was, well, then I was also thinking about my reaction to last year's grand final loss to the Storm. And I, like, I, I didn't say anything negative about the Storm. I mean, the the reasons why, and I my th- go-to was always you can't give up 10 points in penalties and beat the Storm in, in basically any game, let alone a grand final. That's right. Uh, it, you know, and outside of that, anything else that happens in the game, like shut up about it because you gave away 10 points in penalties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you shot yourself in the foot at the very outset. And I think mm. that's... You can see that Penrith learned from that because they made sure they got on the scoreboard very early in this game, in their yeah. grand final. Yeah. Um, they've always been a side, and, you know, always. You know, the last two years have been dominating. They've always been the side that performs at their best when they lead from in front uh, very early in the game. I mean, it's hard to lead from behind. True. Very true. As I heard... A bit of, a bit of Laurie Daly merged with a bit of Braith and Astor there. It's like I remember a, a NFL <laughs> former NFL quarterback called Trent Dilfer, and there's a funny clip of him online, and he's on one of those panel shows now, you know, the NFL, how they've got like 27 people on their panel. Oh, yes. And he, he says, you cannot win in the NFL. No, you cannot lose in the NFL and still win. That was his quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh. That's that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah. Um. Now in other uh, in other news. Yes. The uh, Redcliffe Dolphins are unofficially almost officially the next team. They're they're officially unofficially the favoured one by the NRL. Yeah. Apparently, I don't know how that works, but and I saw some news today where it said the. Uh, Brisbane Jets consortium had secured a big sponsorship from a billionaire backer. Now, I don't know who the billionaire backer is, but I saw one of the journos saying, why did they wait this late? And all I could think of was, it's pretty good It's pretty good that you can get any backing for an NRL club that doesn't exist yet. Like, there are plenty of NRL clubs that would like that backing now for clubs they've got. Yeah. But Absolutely. we'll wait and see what happens with all of that. I don't know if they think that the Dolphins are the team they want to give the license to. I don't know what they're waiting for. They should just, you know, put everyone else out of their misery and let the Dolphins get on with building their club for the 2023 season. 
Yeah, I can't help but think that the the Dolphins' bid started to get up when NRL games were played at Redcliffe, and commentators started to wake themselves silly over the fact, oh, you can have a Palmer at the bar over the ground and watch it. It is be fucking great. You have a beer and a Palmer and watch the footy, and I just went, oh, okay, looks like they've uh, they've had their bit, and then sure enough, you just see Redcliffe getting more and more favoured. I'm not shocked by it because you see a lot of people in the mainstream media in Australia who are completely disconnected from reality. And then when they actually are put in the reality that they've had opinions of for forever, then they're like, you know what? They're not a bunch of country bumpkins. these, These are actual people. This isn't a bad experience. Of course, they're all sociopaths. (laughs) <laughs> They're just observing what normal human beings do and thinking, wow, wouldn't that be great if I had emotions and feelings and empathy? But, uh, yeah, it, it probably didn't hurt them. But uh, the thing that I think has got them over the line, the Dolphins, is that they own assets. And I think that those assets the NRL looks at and says, look, we can – we can. They've got the assets that can be sold off if they get in trouble. Which, um, which assets are these? I think that it's like land and stuff like that. Ah, they own land. Yeah, it's it's See, there's of, another. There's a there's a current NRL team that owns quite a bit of assets. Hmm. Mm. Um. Yeah. They they've always gone well, haven't they? Yeah, financially they've been really really strong. It's always been saying, a great idea. I was actually looking at the statue put up last week about who had uh, the, about the winning percentages of each club decade by decade. Oh yes, and it was absolutely shocking to see how bad the Cronulla Sharks were in their first decade. Like we've, you and may have talked about how bad the Panthers were. The Sharks were worse, which is hard to imagine. Yeah, they. I think, though, the the problem that they may have had, and I've got to look into this a bit further, obviously, um, but I think the problem they may have had in that first um, decade, well, not even the first decade, the first sort of five, four or five years that they were around, just before 72, 73, and they finally got into the finals, mm-hmm. um, they were competing with a lot of teams for the same sort of area. So they had to break off from the St. George area. They also had Newtown and South, all on that south side of, you know, you know, from about the airport down. Mm. Um, and the whole Wollongong region had its own competition at the time, so they couldn't really tap into that. Um, and then they they formed their own team, obviously, with Illawarra in 82. So even if they had got in there, they, lost, they would have lost it anyway. They were just always just kind of in the wrong spot. Yeah. Um, and, and too much competition you, for players. And you've got the Dragons, who are just a... A giant club at the time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with all that um, success that they had too, because mm. you're going to realise too. So I think from the very early '40s through to like '78 or '79, the Dragons missed the finals like twice. Yeah, there would have been players that would have probably rather played in the Dragons reserve grade team for some of those years than the Sharks first grade team. Because if you crack that Dragon side, you're pretty good chance of of winning a grand final. Like, even, their, as you say, their worst years, they were pretty close. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think they just sort of had too much competition for players. Mm. 
Um, they, they, they'd done reasonably well in the lower grades prior to getting their own NRL side, which is what helped them get over the line and get picked in the first place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a bit of it was a back then. It was a big step up. Um, yeah, Penrith though, they had a lot of area to themselves. Yeah, yeah, they they struggled to get talent to the club because I mean, obviously, back in the sixties, you know, probably felt like you were driving to Orange <laughs> when you yeah, had to for, go play Penrith. For for some players, it would have. Yeah, look, I, I'm I can still remember when uh, Panthers Leagues Club you would go there, and it was it was like this giant facility and. And there was nothing around it, really. Like, it, it wasn't... Now you go there and they've got the indoor skydiving and they've got giant car parks and, you know, there's there's buildings and stuff around it. But it used to just be the giant leagues club itself. Um, and so it's, you know, I can see where... And, like, their ground was nothing like it is now. Like, the ground was was pretty basic, it took a long time to upgrade that ground. Even in the 80s and early 90s, it was still pretty poor. It's weird how, like, you think about all of the upgrades to grounds we've seen in the NRL. I think Penrith stands, considering Panthers, the Panthers ground is very much part of the old school of grounds now, and obviously I'm not talking about places like Leichhardt and stuff like that, which are... Um, <laughs> What good archaeology, I guess we're getting into with that sort of stuff. But like it's the old sort of grounds where you got the two stands either side and basically the hills. But it it still kind of weirdly holds up as an experience. Um but they're gonna get a new ground soon anyway, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. So it's um Yeah, Redcliffe looks like they could be the next team in. I mean, the NRL's smart and they want this to work. They need to just make a decision, you know, before the end of this week and just let Redcliffe get ready and get started. If it's not going to be Redcliffe, then, you know, if it's the Brisbane Jets, let them know. Yeah. You know, if they've got a billionaire sponsor of waiting in the wings, that they, they're going to need to know what the hell's going on. And if you take too long, they might leave. And next thing you know, you might end up with, two very weak bids instead of two very strong ones. Yeah, the other thing I think too is that you would um, allow the Brisbane bid, the Brisbane Jets bid, which is, seems to have always been a longer-term bid than, say, the Firehawks bid especially. Mm. You let them start to plan for maybe 10 years' time, you know. Yeah. Um, because they're the Ipswich Jets at its base, so it's not like they disappear as an entity. They're still playing in the Queensland Cup. They just get another chance to get all their ducks in a row for um, expansion down the track. I have to say, I with this Brisbane decision, I am leaning towards more and more the next expansion just being you bring in the uh, PNG Queensland Cup side because I think that's pretty straightforward. I'd love nothing more than that. Because, mm. um, I mean, that's just got so much upside, so little downside. Yeah, uh, now so. that they've proven that they, it's a, a commercial entity that can be in an Australian competition and, and, 
you know, there's no problems there because the talent thing is not a problem. Um, I th- I think it would, you know, if they said we're going to bring that team in in 2024, they don't really have too much to do. No, nah, get sponsors. That's it. Yeah. Because they'd probably even just be willing to go entirely with local talent. Yeah. Which would be just bring it as well. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, when you've got the fan base they have, you, you're you not going to want to have people from other teams there. You're just going to want, you know, popping your Guinea players in there. And that fan base will cheer them home hard every game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd love to see that. But I tell you what, now that we've got Brisbane sorted for this second team, the next expansion is a real expansion, which is pretty cool. And it's good to finally get to this point, I guess, where the the NRL is in that position where now it really is. It's the second New Zealand team. It's PNG. It's Perth or Adelaide. And there's yeah. no other choices now. That's right. Um, and that, that has to happen that way. Mm. And I don't think they should wait a huge amount of time either. Like, we're going to have an odd number of teams. And... Mm. That's that's not something that most comps like. So if they were smart, they'd say, you know what, we're going to introduce a 18th team in six years' time. Well, you know what? I was I had a, a message from Stone Gozard on Twitter, and he was in Twitter jail, so he couldn't put it on his main Twitter, and he was messaging me. And he was talking about how there'll be – and he had this idea – where, you know, for the the Magic Weekend, how everyone plays another team. Well, we're going to have a team that has to have a buy for that weekend now, right? Yep. He said, what if that extra team, and it could be anyone, it does, like the Brisbane, two Brisbane sides will probably play one another, whatever. But what if that extra game, that spare team, ended up being the World Club Challenge? Ooh. Yeah. How good an idea is that? That's not a bad one. Yeah. So say you had the, the. I mean, you could even kick off the season with Magic Weekend in that sense. And, yeah, that extra game is the World Club Challenge. That would be bloody amazing, I reckon. Yeah. I'd be keen to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I can tell you as a Panthers fan... I have zero interest in the Panthers playing in the World Club Challenge. I'd rather them just focus on the NRL season next year. Unless St. Helens wants to come over, you know, a month into our competition and then we'll play them. But I've got zero interest in winning a a trial match against them. Even if there's a nice piece of silverware to chuck in the cupboard? You don't chuck it straight in a cupboard. You chuck it on the floor. You chuck it in a pram. You chuck it off the back of a car. You do some things to it I can't even say here. You probably do it in front of a video camera. And then, well, you know, if you're the Panthers, you do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I, I, I just have zero interest in it. It's of it's no significance, that trophy. I would rather win a pre-season match with an extended squad where both teams have 30 players they use against Parramatta. Parramatta, but, mate, you may as well go all the way and have your toughest challenge, and that is try and win a trial against the West Tigers. 
Yeah, that's a good point. They are the Tigers. Are. Let's be honest. The Tigers start their season in the trials mm-hmm. at peak form, and then it's all downhill <laughs> from there. They are the linear rugby league champions of the world. Yeah, they've they've got it all asked about. Yeah, they sit there and they rip through the 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 uh, trials when no one else is giving a shit, and they've turned up going, "Yeah, this is round one." They smash them and they smash them, and you go, "Everyone's going, oh, the West Tigers, they might be something." I said, looking at God, yeah, I've read this book quite a few times. Yeah. Ending is always the same. (laughs) (laughs) And then they miss the finals. You know how, like, you could do 10-year books on a club? Like, every 10 years have been in existence. Imagine, Imagine what having to write the last 10 years of the West Tigers is. Like, not one final series. How the fuck do you even write that? You don't. <laughs> yeah, you just give up. You retire. Let's go. We've written a book on every decade that the Tigers made the finals. <laughs> How come there's only one? Yeah, well. I actually started putting together a couple of lists. I'll tell you about them after the uh, podcast because I don't want to spoil them. I was putting together some lists and some really interesting ones. And... Uh, I was going to put together a, a, a best West Tigers, like just West Tigers only team. And I, I had to stop. I couldn't do it. You could probably come up with a with a reasonable 13. Mm. But, you know, reasonable. But, reasonable you, is the word. <laughs> you know what was hurting me the most? It was like, okay, well, Jared McCracken didn't play too long for them, but he's undoubtedly the best second rower they've had. Well, that's the thing, too. Do you pick them based on their form at the West Tigers or or how good they were at their peak? Yeah, exactly. Like... Because, I mean, that's two different players. Well, if, say... You for, think, oh, I, you I think looked Terry at the, Hill? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I looked at the wingers, right? Taniela Tuiaki. He has to be there, 100%. Yes, absolutely. Didn't play that for very long, but undoubtedly the most damaging winger they've had. And then who's their next best winger? Lottie Jacuri. Uh. <laughs> you had two good seasons there. I know. But that, but that's that, about it. Um, upset me the most. Because, like, if you're saying, is it him? Or do you go with someone that was there for longer? Or somebody that won the grand final with them? It's like, it's just, a, it's bad choices. It's rough. <laughs> You look, it's hard work. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. Um, what's they got? Pat Richards? Say what I mean. Hey, I went with Pat Richards before I said Bo Ryan. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> like Bo Ryan's in the running. Corabidi? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. He wasn't there for very long, though, was he? 16 games. Yeah. Still, it was a good 16 games he played for him. 12 tries. And then, like, fullback, I, I would have oh, gone. Oh, Josh had a cars at the Tigers, too. Yeah, how many games did he play for them? Nine on the wing. There you go. Uh, Jordan <laughs> Rankin. Luke Cavell. Oh. <laughs> Jason Moody. Jason Moody, he was so finished before he even got there. 
And then when he after he retired, we got him back out of retirement again. Oh, that's um, right. Matt Utai? Yeah, Matt Utai, that's a rough one too. <laughs> Far out. See what I mean? It was just sad. <laughs> that is sad. <laughs> oh, man. Just wait until you get to halfback. Well, it's not only the, well, so, like, it's Scott got, Prince and that's it, isn't it? Scott Prince, right? Yeah. And then Benji, obviously at five eight, Robbie Farah at hooker. But then, like, who was the best front rower in Tigers history? Oh, uh, it'd be between John Scandalis. Yeah, Scandalis and Galloway probably. Y- yeah, Galloway was not really convincing. No. Nah. Um, Aaron Woods. Bryce Gibbs. <laughs> um, like, who's been their best centre? Yeah. That's another tricky one. Probably Chris Lawrence. I'd have to have him there. Yeah, Chris Lawrence. Paul Fatuero was not bad. Yeah. Um, that, that's probably it. Yeah. And that's why I stopped doing it, because I was like, this, it's got, it's, Got to be a, a best team that would probably make the finals, you know. <laughs> you didn't want to walk away from doing this one and go, oh, I just feel sad. I, yeah, it's like the best teams. You put them together and normally you're like, oh, the glory days, aren't they wonderful? Yeah, like usually every single player is a test player. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Tigers don't, don't have test players. Not for Australia, anyway. anyway. There's not many of them. And if they are, they, they used to play for Australia. Seriously, if you weren't a, a West Tigers fan, people would say we are the most anti-West Tigers podcast that's ever existed. <laughs> it's it's kind of like when you get someone who's um who justifies making racist jokes by saying, "Oh, but I'm from that race." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same. And they're yeah. going, "Yeah, I'm allowed to to shit on the West Tigers. <laughs> I'm one of their fans." <laughs> oh shit. Uh, at least it's a new era now. You don't have to worry about the past. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We'll see. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the next uh, new era um, announcement. Yeah, I reckon it'll happen six merch. weeks. In, it'll happen six weeks into the comp when they fire Maguire. <laughs> that was eight weeks, wasn't it? They said eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. Yeah, no, he be... said. Not that we're looking at six to eight weeks. Yeah. Six to eight weeks. Yeah. He wasn't prompted to say any number, but he's, he's pulled six to eight weeks out of his hat. Yeah. Oh, let that one slip. Um, the Tigers signed Tyrone Peachy. We've mentioned that one before. But another Titans player has left, and they've gone to the Raiders, and that's Jamal Fogarty. I saw that one in the news the other day. Yeah, that one... Um... Look, they needed a halfback, and they've got a halfback. He'll be the best halfback they've had for a very long time. Um, and so, you know, it's not the worst signing. They just needed someone, anyone, that knew how to control a footy team. So, And he can definitely do that at his best. I thought he didn't play great for the Titans in the second half of the season, but it, it is literally better than what they've got at the Raiders. Admit, he kept getting dicked around, though, with halves options because... They never settled on a five-eighth for him. That's a good point, yeah. He kept getting mixed up, and so he's constantly starting all over again every week. Mm -hmm. He didn't get to have that that regular deciding. It was a bit of a weird thing they did that. And 
they did lose a little bit of momentum because of it. You know, I saw there were some Raiders fans on Twitter, and only a few of them, and they were saying how they were a little bit concerned that the new Brisbane team would be a problem for them in terms of them targeting Raiders players. And all I could think of was, like, they don't have to worry about that. I'm surprised they still do that. Because, I mean, Canberra genuinely were, you know, taking a lot of their talent from Queensland back in the 80s and early 90s. Mm. But then they moved to, um, you know, trying to get players from Auckland in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And they've since re- realigned that um, focus and they're focusing on trying to get players from England. Mm. Um, they haven't looked at Queensland genuinely for talent for a long time. So I don't think the new Queensland team is going to be much of an impact on them. No, and like if I was looking at the Raiders team, how many of those players would you look at and honestly be, you know, if you're the new Brisbane team, how many of them would you say, we would love that guy? Papali. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, Nickel Clogstad, maybe if you got him at a good price and his injuries settled down next year. That's that's yeah. it really. That's there's not there's not a great deal there. No. Um they've got to change a lot about how they play the game if they're going to be competitive under these rules. Because at the well, moment they, they bulked up a lot for the twenty twenty yeah. season and then the rules all changed for them and got more anti Canberra the rules. Yeah. For 2021, and they just struggled really hard. Them, yeah. That between that and them not recruiting anyone, like they, I think that they said we'll bulk up a little bit, and we're happy with what we've got. And it was basically the completely wrong choice. Yeah, by a long way, because they, yeah, they just made their team slower, mm. and so much reliance was put on you know, bench players. Mm-hmm. But they they filled their bench with more big men. Yeah. So they were just kind of and obviously they, they put all their all their eggs in the, the George Williams basket as well, which didn't work out for him. Nah, he wanted to go back to wherever the fuck he came from, which was good. Good better for them long term anyway. He did quite go back to where he came from. Well Warrington, Wigan. Yeah, he came so. from Came from we went back to Warrington. Yes, and you stand in the middle of the town, they both smell the same. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> smells like pie. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, it's been a good episode, Andrew. It has, it has. Do I take it we covered everything? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, got a special guest coming up tomorrow. Oh, uh, nice. We'll probably put that one up. We, we might put it up on the night or the following day. We'll see. I still don't know who the fuck this special guest is. So it's none of your business. None of your business. <laughs> <laughs> Only people who've done 350 of the podcast get to know about that. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe if you turned up a few more times. <laughs> <laughs> I was just phoning it in half the time. <laughs> just, just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Come do a podcast and go, nah, you do it. <laughs> I refuse to turn up more than 350 times every two years. Um, by the way, if anyone wants to see how many steps Andrew has done in 12 days, go to the uh, Twitter, our Twitter, our podcast Twitter. I retweeted it from there. Ridiculous. 
Yeah, been been a bit busy. Yeah. I'll, I'll post on the. I'll reply to it and put on there the uh, total number of steps I've done in the last twelve months as well. Yeah, do that. That'd just, be cool. Just to blow everyone's mind. I might even find the uh, the thing on the app which shows the graphic for the weekly breakdown. You know, it'd be really interesting when the little one starts to walk. And I know it's a little while now, but get him a little Fitbit and just see how many kilometres he covers a day. I don't know if he'd cover many kilometres, but I reckon he'd have he'd have a lot of steps. Yeah, like you know how the babies do them funny steps. Yeah, that'd be that'd be hilarious to see. Although when you put the height in, I wonder if it lets you put in like that short of a height. Yeah, and the other one is the uh, stride length. Yes. Yeah. So I'd probably put stride like uh, two inches. Yeah. <laughs> it's all up and down leg movements for the most part. Did you ever tell me he falls over? Oh, look, there's another four steps. Yeah. I'll come over and have a look. He's going, wow, you've done 37,000 steps. What if you put on, you know how on, on say, the Apple Watches, you, they have fall detection? Imagine if you looked at it and realised your baby was falling over like 27 times a day. It'd freak you out. No, fuck, I have to put a helmet on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I'll see if I can work that, work that in somehow. Yeah, just, uh, just let your wife know. We decided to experiment with a baby on the podcast. Yeah, he's going to put a G- GPS tracker on him. Yeah, she'll love it. She'll think it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't see it happening now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, far out. Maybe I should put up a cat. Ooh, can you imagine? Your your cat's an indoor cat, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah, see if it was an outdoor cat, cat that would be really weird. Because... Well, I'd want to have a GPS tracker if it was outdoors. Yeah. It's a, a weird cat. Imagine if you, yeah, you've got a, a half line. Imagine if you put a GPS tracker on it and you realised it was like every night going off to a wildlife sanctuary and coming back in the morning. <laughs> Happily fed. Yeah, just or you just see it every morning like licking its paws thinking, man, he's pretty content this morning. Yeah, is that a kangaroo? Okay. <laughs> I don't want to know. Just hide it in how, the bushes somewhere. How big of an animal do you reckon your cat could kill? Definitely kill a small kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I reckon it'd chase a small kangaroo. Do you reckon it could kill a wallaby? No. Okay. No, it's 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 more cat than wild animal, so I don't think it's okay. got the... Uh, the... Uh, I don't think it's equipped enough to do that. I don't think yeah. its teeth or its claws are, are long enough or sharp enough. If pe- people should go on Twitter, uh, not Twitter, on YouTube, and look up the difference between a dog bite and a wolf bite, there's a really cool video. Somebody has like a husky, and then they've got this like fucking wolf that they've brought up, and they throw both of them. Say it's a bit of carrot or something, and the the dog sort of snaps at it, and it's a snap. And when the wolf does, it's like a fucking cracking noise of bone. <laughs> it's just teeth going crack. It's really amazing. People have to hear that. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we've given you all a bit of homework, <laughs> I guess we should put this one to bed. Yeah, it's been a good episode. Um, 
congratulations to St. Helens and Toulouse. Yes, commiserations to uh, French Rugby League for uh, Catalan not getting the premiership in the Super League, but mm-hmm. uh, God, I hope they're there again next year. Yeah, fingers crossed. They've they've had a good run, so let's wait and see what they do next year, I guess. Absolutely. Um, as always, people, make sure you check us out on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash leaguefreak and patreon.com slash rlproject. Um Chuck a few coins our way. That would be fantastic. Um, you can follow the uh, podcast account on Twitter and Instagram at FergoFreakPod. Um, this bloke's at Andrew RP. That bloke's at League Freak. We've covered every base, haven't we, that we need Pretty to? Much, yeah. That'll do. If you um, can't find us, seriously, you've got a problem. Yeah, God, we're everywhere. I think uh, Freaky sometimes just hangs around on street corners. They call it loitering now. Ridiculous. Next thing you know, they'll have laws against it. Have, have you still got police on every corner out there at the moment, making no, sure that you don't sneeze? We, I don't think we do anymore, but it's weird. When I go and stand on the corner, they call it loitering, and then when I, like, I'm, I'm getting like paid money for services that I can't talk about, they call it something else. It's like I can't win. God, they just like putting labels on people. They really do. You're just trying to work. I know, I'm sick of it. Man, fucking oppression. It's like apartheid. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Okay, we've got we to fucking... Okay, I don't really mean that. It was a taking the piss out of a tweet that some idiot had done calling the lockdown laws apartheid, and they rightfully got ripped apart. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's next level, that is. Yeah, that was crazy. Wow. But uh, you caught me off guard with that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that much. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I'd gone crazy. You were like, this is it. That's the end. It was a good one. Wow. That's, that's, a, I mean, that's a long bow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly what this person they tweeted, like that vaccinated people and unvaccinated people couldn't do the same thing. So that was apartheid. And people just gave them a history lesson on Twitter. It was pretty fucking epic to see. It was uh, good. Fancy, so I was just fancy, taking a piss out of that. Fancy comparing those two. I know, right? Oh, boy. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, don't get offended by that last comment. It was just a joke, seriously. People get people take everything so literal these days. They really do. <laughs> Lighten up, you fucks. All right. <laughs> take it easy. We'll catch you all next episode. Hooroo.